0: Hey guys, thanks for downloading our podcast, This House of Cards. Here's our review for chapters 22 and 23 of the show, House of Cards, Season 2. Some strong work here from our dear pal Freddie in these episodes. Sad that it always seems anything close to a relationship Frank has with someone always turns to poo in the end. Okay, let's do it.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this House of Cards podcast, an unofficial podcast about the Netflix hit show, House of Cards. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Chris Husted, Tyler's friend. How's it going, my friend? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, been a little while since we've been able to jump on on a, a podcast here. We're doing episodes 22 and 23 today. I know you've had some intense tornado warnings and stuff going on in the midwest how is everything hanging in your part of uh, the country
0: so far so good it's finally sunny today no we i think there was one tornado that touched down but it was far enough from my house that it wasn't a big deal for us but we were on watch for two days straight pretty much how about you did you guys get any
1: over there uh we had some pretty intense storms but nothing nothing as bad as you i know that your wind even knocked your internet out for a while right yeah it did that was fun sucks I'm sure that was fun, but I'm glad we're up and, and running again now. Um, I'm sure that was fun, Chris. <laughs> what are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking a Fire Rock Pale Ale from Kona Brewing. That's a Hawaii brewery. Nice. I, did, I do want to say that even though it is the afternoon on a Saturday, I did go for a run earlier today, so I feel okay drinking in the middle of the afternoon. What are Me you drinking too. Today? Uh, Well, I
0: didn't go running, but I did some hip hop abs, so I feel good too. <laughs> nice work. Um, I've got I've got three different beverages around me right now. I'm kind of alternating between them. I have a milkshake that I'm trying to finish. Oh, boy. Chocolate. I have a half a glass of uh, Chardonnay wine here. Mm-hmm. And then I've got uh, my water bottle to hydrate.
1: You've you got all your bases covered for this double <laughs> dose of House of Cards we're about to discuss here.
0: I also have an empty Sprite can. If you walked in here and saw me right now, you would think that I was hungover, which I'm not at all. I went to bed really early last night, but... When I am hungover, if, if you throw a coffee in the mix here, that would look like me. on a. So we're saying you're not hungover, but point. you could
1: be, and everything would be okay, basically. Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, excellent. Good to know. <laughs> so, as I said before, we are going to cover episodes 22 and 23 of House of Cards today. We will take a break in between, in case you haven't gotten that far. Although, by this time, I'm sure many of you have watched everything and are just waiting for us to catch up with you. So, uh, of course, we appreciate your patience with that. Um before we get going here, as always, anything uh, any thoughts you have, comments on what we're talking about, questions, go ahead and post those at Facebook.com slash this house of cards podcast. And please find us on um iTunes at you know this house of cards podcast there too. Review us, critique us, we appreciate that. Without further ado, let's ju- uh jump into episode chapter, chapter Shut It Down twenty two. Which is all about our friend uh Freddie uh Freddy. V- Freddy's Barbecue. Um, it's kind of a tragic tale. I would, a little bit Shakespearean here we have going on. Um, so, I really enjoyed that it was all about Freddy. I think it was nice to learn a little bit more about him. I think that guy's been... I mean, he's been a great actor this season, too. With like, I, I think I bring up every episode, you know, that line he has in episode one about the slow slaughter of the hogs and how right, like, that, was great. That, sent, that almost seemed to you know set the tone or kind of become a motif throughout the rest of the season as you know we see frank with eating the mead at you know daniel lanagan's house in missouri and all this different stuff it's always about who's being slaughtered and who's doing the eating kind of or who's doing the slaughtering um so we open in this episode on freddie we see his house his morning routine his friends in the neighborhood uh he walks to you know the restaurant and opens up, uh, t- opens the newspaper, and of course the picture of Claire is on the front. The story that broke, that Claire, of course, cheated on uh, Frank with Adam. Right. And he rips it in half, Freddie rips it in half and sets it on fire with his lighter. What did you take from this opening scene? What was it trying to convey?
0: That kind of, to me, seemed like it was a move out of loyalty toward Frank. Um, that, And he thinks that that's just garbage and not news and ridiculous uh, that that makes the front page and also he wants you know he doesn't want to i don't know i i think he it seems at this point in the episode it seems like he doesn't want to acknowledge uh frank as nothing more than a customer he is actually
1: perhaps a friend right what did you think well i think that's true excuse me as well and and i also think that you know we open on seeing the way he interacts in the morning you know getting a deeper look into freddie obviously is kind of uh hinting at what's to come. A little bit of foreshadowing as to, you know, he's got this I mean, a pretty solid life. Uh, you know, um, he doesn't have a lot. He lives in a small house. He kind of lives in... Modest um, means. In modest means. And maybe what some would consider to be a rough neighborhood. But he's happy. You know, people know him. He shouts his name and stuff like that. And he's about to fall into all this money. And it's almost as if the potential for that is going to hurt him more than help him, Ruin her. Or, you know, yeah, potentially, so I thought it was a good, like I said, I, almost a Shakespearean kind of narrative we have going on here with Freddie. and of course we'll talk more about Freddie later in the episode. Uh, the first part I want to talk about is, um, let's follow Claire's storyline for a bit because she's kind of the centerpiece of this episode, of course, them kind of dealing with, uh, I guess you would say, crisis management with this whole tabloid thing that, of course, Tusk kind of set up, Right. Tusk and Remy, so, you know, Frank, Claire, Stamper, and Seth are having, you know, strategy sessions, trying to figure out how they're going to form some kind of counterattack and do damage control. Um, and they quite, very quickly point out that Remy is the leak, and that they link it back to Tusk and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Now, Claire wants to do to reach out to Adam herself and try to see if she can handle things on her, you know, on a more intimate basis because obviously they have they do have quite a history, even though that's what they're going to try to cover up. So we see Adam for the first time. Uh, this season obviously he was a major player in last season so Claire gives him a call and she asks him to deny the affair destroy the picture and then she says that they you know they want a copy to make sure there's nothing in it that links to his studio because they're going to form some kind of you know they want to prove that it's a false so that way you know it can't be linked back to Adam or something like that uh, Adam also informs her that he has a live-in girlfriend from Bogota now, um, that he has right. moved on from Claire, and that he basically, it sounds like almost a, I think he calls her a fiancé, doesn't he? Um, I think so, yeah. So how do you think Claire took this information? What did you get take from this exchange? Because they, their relationship is always, obviously, very different from Frank and Claire's.
0: Yeah, it's, it seemed, it, it seemed like initially Adam was always kind of this uh, extracurricular support that Claire had. Um, we talked about her last season as kind of that relationship as the what if Claire had gone this different path. So she gets to kind of live that little life for a weekend, but then return to the one she did choose. Um, so there, it, it's um, Robin Wright is such a masterful actress that it's really hard to read exactly what emotions are happening there. You would think there might be a tinge of jealousy, but it's also Claire we're talking about here. So she could have compartmentalized any type of jealousy, and this could be a strict, strictly um, strategic uh, um, reaction to it. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to tell. I would like to think that there is a little bit of jealousy there, but it's also a, um, okay, how do I make this you know, calculated way to... She, ha- she comes up with a calculated manner to uh, transform this situation into her benefit.
1: What did you I think? agree with that. I absolutely agree with that, and I agree 100 percent that you almost see a hint of resentment or something there when yeah. he, you know when he tells her about the girl from Bogota. But I th- almost wonder with a character like Claire, I think it's less that she wishes she was the one with Adam necessarily. Because at this yes. point, I don't know that I think that's true I anymore. I think it's right. just more that she liked having the power over him, of him wishing he was with her, and not you know, and her being the woman on a pedestal that you know. His, his ultimate that he can't have, his unrequited right. love interest. Right. And, right. It's, so almost, they, I say
0: it's almost like, you know, well, if, I, if you're not going to be mine, then, you, I, you know, I don't want you to be anybody's.
1: Yeah. It's like, it, was more, it almost seems more like an ego complex kind of thing, manipulative, mm-hmm. in the same, you know. And I think that's probably why her and Frank are better, better yeah. fellows <laughs> than her and Adam, because they think along those same lines more. Um, of course, Adam then appears on TV with his <clears throat> fiancée and denies the allegations just as Claire asked him to. And then, or, okay, hold on. So, let me track this exactly. Adam appears on TV with fiance and denies the allegations. Claire apologizes to Frank. I, I got my notes mixed up a little bit. Claire apologizes to Frank and says, we'll put this behind us like we've always done. Um, and Frank kind of dismisses this. And Claire says, you know, I almost wish you were more upset. <laughs> um, you know, to Frank about this, and you know, he says Tusk came after you because of me. You know, it wasn't your fault or whatever. But I don't think that's exactly which. Excuse me, what she meant. And I think you know, these are these little moments where we see insights into. I think that Claire wishes that she. There's parts of Adam she likes that he's more emotional, more sensitive, uh, maybe. And I think there's parts of Frank she likes his power hungry stuff, and she wishes that Frank would have more of that fire and passion. Right. um you know, be more, have been more jealous about it, you know? Yeah. She wants to see it. So it's a little bit more, it's that same kind of ego thing we were talking about a little bit. And even, it's kind of interesting that she even has that a little bit in her interaction with Frank. Mm-hmm. So then Claire and Frank give the press conference. And I want to note that she's in a very virginal white dress. They have her change out of, I think oh. Seth has her change out of something that might be considered more sexy. Um, Frank's standing behind her. They say the photo was taken as a present for Frank, a portrait that actually hangs in his office and that um they didn't know why Adam denied it or anything like that but of course the portrait was a real portrait so i i mean immediately i asked the question why did they ask adam to lie then and i think claire says on the phone it would have seemed too clean do you think that's the i mean do you th- think that's what their thought process was here or do you think it was to smear adam a little bit
0: <sighs> you know now that it's been a little bit since i've seen it so i can't really remember you know how it all played out um it does seem like it they, i i i do i do remember that it, it would seem too clean part um because it, it, you know if it it was just straight up answered easily like oh I, it was a birthday present boom 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 well why would it have been leaked you know why mm-hmm. wouldn't more people have been noticed it or talked about it so but the fact that they're throwing adam under the bus in this situation uh is is obviously really shady
1: exactly exactly Um, And I almost wonder, you know, I think that they were doing it because, I mean, I think it does help the situation to make things seem a little bit messier because then uh, I think it does make it for a more believable story. But I have to wonder if there was a little bit of a a smear against Adam here too just to kind of get back at him for whether it was Claire getting back, you know.
0: For getting engaged or... For
1: getting engaged or for taking that picture in the first place, you know, that he gets punished a little bit for putting them in any sort of compromising position to begin with at all anything like that of course so claire has to talk to adam on the phone again and um he's kind of pissed off because now there's paparazzi all over him because now he's he's become a liar basically and she just wants him to say that he lied and you know that he was just afraid of any sort of you know press coverage or something like that he's he's a little pissed off about it so there's some room there for him to potentially go rogue which I think he he doesn't necessarily do that, but he's kind of manipulated into it thanks to some information Remy digs up. In the meantime, Frank, Stamper, and Grayson are having a powwow on what moves to take. And we see an interaction that Stamper is a little bit threatened by Grayson. Yeah, um, there's a little rivalry happening. And they're talking in the backyard and I think Frank goes inside and, you know, Doug says to Grayson, I'm the ceiling, you know, you can't get higher than me. I'm going to be you know, you're not going to be my equal. You're not going to be, you know, knock me off like you did Connor. Yeah, you're basically my underling. I kind of root um, for
0: Doug in this because he's gone through so much stuff
1: that I feel bad. I know. And I don't trust Grayson either. I think that he's yeah. cunning and, and entertaining character, but obviously we have a lot, a lot more emotional ties to to Doug. Doug Stamper. Yeah. Um, he Doug also thinks that Grayson might have more dirt on the Underwoods than he's being honest about even though he says he does not right uh, i wouldn't put it past him i wouldn't put it past him either i mean, we don't have any clear indication whether or not that's the case but he was very honest about the giving the abortion diary but at the same time you know as, the abortion as doug diary. says <laughs> that sounds terrible but as doug... today i had another one <laughs> oh oh poor claire quite a few entries in there um so of course during this whole exchange frank watches out the window And, you know, says it's good for adopted siblings to... He likes the competition between them a little bit because he thinks that it'll push them to perform stronger, Mm -hmm. basically. Although, I don't know how much he knows about how Stamper's kind of in the midst of crumbling.
0: Yes, Stamper is in the weeds
1: right now with a lot of stuff. He is, he is. And it'll only grow as we continue talking. Uh, In the meantime, Adam is confronted by Remy, who has dirt on Adam's fiance. It sounds as if Adam's... Fiance from Bogota, her father, I believe, is some sort of political enemy. Um, he like is in a prison, perhaps awaiting execution, and so Remy is threatening having the guy executed, basically, unless um, Adam bends to his will. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening, Adam sends an additional nude photo of Claire. this one in the shower, it's kind of foggy, we can't really tell what's going on. Um, Claire didn't even know he took the picture. Do we did we see him take this picture last season? I... I don't think we
0: did. I don't think we did. So that this might be a, an easy little device the writers used, but right. I may be wrong. But I don't remember. I remember the the sleeping one, obviously, because he puts it out you know, prints
1: it out so big on his floor. Right, I yeah, I remember I remember that moment. I remember him actually taking it in the bed when they're kind of Having their you know Post-quadal moment, and it seems like moment. she might stay. Yeah, exactly. But I don't. I don't remember him taking this necessarily. But he might have. So if anyone knows differently, please let us know. Um, <clears throat> but so in order to make this look more like a fake, Grayson Seth Grayson hires a model to basically pose and do a you know should basically to show how easy it is to fake the to fake the photo, right? Yeah. Um. I don't remember. Is it just showing how easy? Excuse me how easy it is to fake the photo or do they actually say that it is that model
0: I think they say it's that model I believe they said that she posed for it I think wait is it shoot now
1: now that you said that I don't remember well but the general idea is just to show like how it's you know the photo is obscured enough that it's pretty easy to fake there's no proof that it's actually yeah. clear so it which makes it kind of easier just easier to say this one is a fake when they said the last one was real yeah. you know so maybe that plays into more you know there I Things being, you know, need to be a little bit more messy strategy. Of course, at this time, we also have Claire reading the article to Frank about Freddy's past prison time, which is something that yeah, Tusk has, come has, has leaked. And, you know, this is my biggest question that I had with this part of the plot in this particular episode um, before we continue on the Claire line. Well, actually, no. Hold on. Sorry, I'm gonna. I'll go ahead and bring that up when we talk. Let's when we get to the Freddie Freddy plot line. plotline. Um, but just finishing following Claire's stuff here. So Seth and the model appear on TV. Um, they say they restaged the photo. Insinuates Adam had an ulterior motive. So we're even more throwing more shit on Adam basically. Which Adam's right. kind of put himself in that position by bending to Remy in the first place and not coming to Frank and Claire. Adam comes to see Frank and Claire in person. He confesses to being threatened by Remy. He talks about Inez's father and Bagoda and all that stuff. And we see quite the—we finally see an exchange we've never seen Adam and Frank face to so face. This is right. the first time I believe that we see them face to face, and it is a more fiery dynamic than we would expect. Frank keeps us cool at first, but then when Adam kind of gets all emotional, uh, there's some really good lines in here. I think. Frank says to Adam, do not understand any history you have for what our marriage is or how insignificant you are in comparison. I don't remember if that's Frank or Claire that says that line in particular. But basically Frank- saying that Claire and Frank's marriage is more than just love. You know, just plain boring love, which is what... Or, you know, what whatever, you know, the super... I think it was real what Claire and Adam had. You know, I think it was real passion for each other. But I think what Frank is trying to convey is that their relationship has more of a foundation and joint ambition and a partnership, all these other things we've talked about in the past. Um, And it almost, if you watch Claire's face during these comments that Frank makes, when he finally kind of explodes a little bit about this, you see a smile on her face. I'm pretty sure. And so I think that she finally sees that little hint of jealousy that she was kind of saying when she said to Frank earlier, like, I wish you were more upset about this that she sees like he understands I think what we're supposed to understand from this, and this is my interpretation, I'm going to ask yours in a second, is that the reason it didn't upset Frank about the whole affair thing is basically because he knows that that was just about sex, basically. It was just a fling that she had with Adam, and he knows in his heart that their relationship is built on such a bigger, stronger foundation that goes beyond just the two of them that he didn't really have anything to worry about in the long run. What's your take on that? I think that's right. Yeah, that's what I would say, too Mm mm-hmm so they kind of steamroll at him between claire and frank and basically say i think that claire gives he says we'll give you an out or we'll bury you so they kind of give him an ultimatum like you go with us or we will destroy your life um and basically i would say that claire and frank win again um Mm -hmm. they end up you know frank talks to secretary durant and they end up saving inez's father and Bagoda, tusk, tusk no longer has the de- leverage over um adam anymore so they, that kind of story is going to burn out and we see an interesting inter- interchange with him and remy here where remy's basically telling him this that we have nothing left adam's pretty much a lost cause they beat us on this and we see tusk in this aviary in his house and he's pissed that one of the birds is making noise we see him kind of being gentle with all the birds then after he gets off the phone and angry, he goes to the bird that's making noise and crushes it in his hand. Just slaughters it in a in a heartbeat. What was what was the symbolism here? What did you think was going on with this aviary?
0: I, I think obviously he's 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 a huge uh, bird fan, <laughs> but I, I think he's just trying. To, we're just trying to see here that he's pissed off and he's so pissed off he'll kill something
1: he really loves, or he'll break the neck of this little bird. mm Hmm. And that he, I think, it also juxtaposes like the size of the small little bird versus the giant behemoth of a man. That like he will crush those mm-hmm. smaller than him. I'm still not convinced
0: but. that he's this. <laughs> I mean this this whole ploy with the Claire photos. That's like playing like celebrity uh, uh, gossip, um, trying to take someone down. You know, that's it, it. Just seems below like the whole the the power play with the with the uh, with the power grid recently. That was kind mm-hmm. of more like, all right, Tusk, is, Tusk's playing some hardball here. This is kind of like lowballing, just, you really, you're going to put a little uh, sex drama into
1: this, it, it seems. Well, and that, exactly, and that was, we knew that wasn't ball. anything that was actually going to hurt Frank, like, in his political power. That was just really more like a personal scandal that he raised. Yeah. So now, let's talk about Freddy, which is, the obviously, like, the main storyline we we said throughout this episode. Excuse me. So Freddy's meeting with marketing guys to plan out this expansion of the Freddy's barbecue chain. We see layouts of, you know, restaurants and of the sauce label. And the guy talks about how they want to give diners the experience of going to kind of basically like a restaurant in the projects without making them leave the suburbs. Yeah. Which which Freddy seems a little bit hesitant about in the first place. He doesn't like the idea of this. But of course they're gonna give him ninety five thousand dollars by the end of the week. So who's he to complain when that kind of money's rolling in? Yeah, he needs that. Um and we see Freddie in the neighborhood interacting with some guy you know, Freddie can hold his own, we get the idea. I mean yeah, he's tough. he is he goes to seek out his son at this apartment building and these guys kinda of give him a hard time at the door, and he pretty much looks him right in the eyes and says, Get the fuck out of my way. And so they do, and he we find out that Freddie has a son. He has a son and a grandson, a grandson he hasn't seen in a long time. Um Sounds like he, Freddie and his son don't have a very good relationship. Um, we, know, we find out later that Freddie has a history in jail. Um, and mm-hmm. that his son was born when Freddie was in prison. That his son, of course, has had his own problems going to jail. He's currently on parole. Um, they don't see each other very much. But Freddie wants, with this new money, to give his son a house. A safe place to live with his grandson. His oh, grandson sweet. is still relatively innocent, um, as far as we know. But the son doesn't seem to want to take it. He's still pissed at his dad for be- basically being a crappy father. So it's kind of that same old father-son dynamic. Um, but the son comes to meet Freddie and wants to help at the restaurant. Um, they seem, for a short time, to have healed the relationship. There's a line around the block, and Freddie really needs the help because now that that article came out last episode, <laughs> Freddie's just getting a lot of attention. So they, of course, you know, <clears throat> they discuss how to handle the money, and Freddie realizes his son carries a gun on him, which he shouldn't be. Yeah, if he's on parole. Yikes. So this is, I mean, what's the uh, the revolver on the mantle? What that's a literary, um, right? It's a Russian author's something's gun. Um, anyway, the, we we literally see the gun early on, and this is a hint that this is going to come back, come back and hurt us later on, which it comes around very quickly. Um, Chekhov's gun, sorry, Chekhov's gun, which you know we see early on, and we find out it comes back. So. Freddie and – you know, um, what ends up happening is Tusk releases the article that basically says Freddie is a prison inmate or has this terrible prison history and that Frank is good friends with him. And so this is my biggest question of this episode is like – and you kind of already hinted at it with like the kind of cheap shit that Tusk is going after. Mm -hmm. But knowing – Tusk knowing Frank – and I guess maybe he saw the relationship between Freddie and Frank – when he has, because he's met Frank a couple times, I think at Freddy's. But why, like knowing how much Frank is willing to kind of slice, you know, pass over those who are no longer important to him? Why would he go after Freddy? All that go, going after Freddy only seems like the only effective thing it'll do is piss Frank off. It doesn't seem like it'll actually hurt him at all politically. It only seems to me like the only thing he succeeds at is pissing Frank off which seems yeah. like a very poor strategic move on Frank on Tusk's, Tusk's part because he's yeah. not really achieving anything in their political war but he's really going to make Frank get out for blood I mean what were your thoughts on that because it, yeah, it just didn't a- seem to make sense. sense
0: yeah that's exactly what I would think uh, I mean Frank only has a few close confidants that he'll, he might care enough about that would uh, affect him you know or that would hurt him or you know he might try to step out to save one. Obviously, the number one is Claire. If you try to take Claire down, Frank's going to be pissed, and it affects him. Freddie, it won't like you said. It won't affect him politically. It won't affect Frank politically, but it'll piss him off, and it might hurt him, as we see it ultimately does. And um, I'm trying to think of anyone else. I mean, maybe might be
1: maybe, maybe Meacham now, Meacham, is like his, and Doug his adopted are son, too. Yeah. yeah. So they try to strategize about how to handle this and it seems like at first Frank is like wants to stand up maybe that's what Tusk wanted is he wanted Frank to stand up for Freddy and that to create political controversy like Frank standing up for you know he's not going to drop his um you know friend who was a prison inmate and that would create some sort of political turmoil but of course that ends up getting interrupted because Freddy's son is confronted when confronted by the paparazzi he pulls out a gun while I'm
0: good lord this show hates their uh Reporters or journalists.
1: That Yeah, what a dick that guy was. <clears throat> so on parole, Freddie's son's going back to prison, it sounds like. And, I mean, there's really no, no other steps Frank can take at this point. Like, It's probably for the better that this happened, though, because, like I said, if Tusk's point was to get Frank tangled up and trying to stand up for his friend, and that was going to be political turmoil or take his mind off the game or something like that, by having this happen, Frank doesn't really have that option anymore because... Once, it, you know, Freddie's son now, is, is. they have his prison history come out probably, and he's been caught with a gun pointing at a reporter. That doesn't look good. So Frank no. has no choice but to kind of cut ties. Right. Frank actually goes to see Freddie in the projects undercover in the suit and stuff. Um, but before he goes, Claire gives him the message that Freddy is dangerous because you care too much, and when you care too much, it blinds us. Which has kind of been, I mean, they Claire and Frank's, you know, motive going forward, like we like we were just talking about, is their willingness to have somebody on their team, and then as soon as they're not useful, leave them behind. And like you said, Freddie was not one of those people. Uh, Although, it's so
0: sad seeing that happen, though, because they Frank and Freddie were so cool, and they it seemed like they lived in this different world. But in in reality, it seems Fre- uh, Frank just really liked Freddie's ribs. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, I mean, I think, I think Frank really did like Freddie, but it just got to the point where it, after that happened with his son, I think Frank realized there was nothing more that he could do. Yeah, that was and it. I, and even going to Freddie's house, I think that he still wasn't quite sure how he was going to handle things. But then they have, of course, the conversation where, you know, Frank goes over to Freddy's and they play the jazz music and kind of, you know, we see them again mm-hmm. connect on a friendship level. And he has to tell Freddy that he needs distance from Freddy. He can't help him. And I think Freddy wasn't sure whether Frank would try to or not. Freddy, of course, says he has to sell the barbecue place now in order to get the money for Darnell's bail, for his son's bail. And Frank is maybe considering you know, funneling the money to help get his son out and to keep the restaurant. But, you know, Freddy seems like is going to, you know, if you're not, he says, if you're not going to say that, he basically, Freddie's message is, if you're not going to say that for me publicly, I don't want your guilt money. Mm-hmm. I think he says specifically, I ain't going to take your guilt money. um You know, we're, we're just friends. You know, we weren't friends. We were just customers. You know, you, I was your, you just came to my restaurant. You were just a patron. And so Ooh, what, that was heavy. And this, Ooh. it was heavy. And it was like, I wrote here, is this the end of Freddie? He's been so solid throughout this season. Um, I, yeah, I thought it was, and then of course, you know, as Frank's on his, on the way home, he looks, he gives us a little soliloquy about, you know, do you think I'm a hypocrite? The road to power is paved with hypocrisy and casualties. You can never regret, which is interesting because I feel like, despite him saying you can never regret, this is the first time we do actually see Frank regretting a political decision he has to make. Normally, he's pretty fine at like, you know, doing what he has to, and you know, if it, even if there's casualties along the way. But this is one that actually seems to hurt him a little bit. Um, what do you think about here? What, how did you feel watching this What about where the relationship with going to go? This
0: was the end of Freddy to me. I mean, Frank, it, he's it's sad because he's, he's played such a good role and it's such a good actor. I wrote his name down, Reg E. Kathy. But uh, yeah, that, this is Frank not doing anything for someone he should be loyal to in an altruistic sense because it would tarnish him in his image. He has to
1: move on to protect himself in a very selfish way. Absolutely. And I think that in, also it's worth noting that we kind of sever Frank's final or, like you said, one of his last real friendships outside of politics where he's actually yeah. being honest with somebody and, you know, calling each other on a first name basis and stuff like that versus, you know, putting up a fake air with people as he does with President Walker and a number of other people. Well, now they're at the point where they just want to make Tusk suffer, of course. <laughs> um, and that's what this whole, you know, is going to blow up into now, is that Frank is just super pissed, which is exactly what I was saying. It's like, all Tusk really did was poke a sleeping bear. Yeah, know? exactly. And we have, of course, the end of the episode. Freddy closes the gates on his barbecue joint, uh, gives the keys to the franchisee guy, who just, if they're not even going to open a barbecue place, they're going to knock it down and just sell the property. So it's, it's literally the end so of sad. Freddy's barbecue. Would you think they could just put a different label on the barbecue sauce and, you know, call it something else if it's really that good? But I don't know. And Freddie ends it with saying, I ain't one for looking back. And he walks off into the distance with a look of purpose in his eye. Now, of course, you've watched the rest of the season, so you know whether or not we see Freddie again. I have not. And I hope this isn't the end of Freddie. Even if if it is the end of him in this season, I, I hope we see him again, that Frank gets to the point where he can bring him back and help him maybe maybe if Frank becomes president then Freddie can become the official White House cook or chef or something. Like that. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> so I, that's what I'd like to see, but it was intense. It was you know sad to see the rise and fall of Freddie in such a short period of time because he has been great. Um and definitely of course have enjoyed him. One more thing I want to point out from this episode, of course we have this reporter in the meantime, who's been doing a bunch of investigative stuff uh, we haven't talked about her too much because she's just kind of been in little clips just, here and there throughout yeah. the season.
0: God, I've I've been wanting to talk about her, but because she hasn't had a major role yet,
1: and she finally, yeah, and she finally she kind of becomes a major character. What's her her first name again? I think I have it in my notes. It, for it, next it, I think it's Isla, Isla. Isla Sayad, right? And um, she she's I mean great. she's doing she is and she's a real. Intense reporter that will. She's really good at like the investigative stuff.
0: I, she's like Frank. if Janine had made it to uh, the Guardian or something.
1: Yeah, can we say that she's way better than Zoe? Just because? Oh like, my God, she's ethical. Zoe, <laughs> I, well, and Zoe, I don't think was actually that great of a reporter. She, she was just she was just, just good was sleeping with the whip, of, you know, <laughs> with Frank basically. Exactly. <laughs> so she's actually a good journalist. Yeah, And she, she grills Grayson, or no, I think when the reporters are grilling Grayson, she's kind of in the background pissed off and realizes she's like this, this is, is all bullshit. bullshit. I'm going to go see Tusk in St. Louis. Yeah. Exactly. And she actually goes and confronts Tusk in St. Louis, which is a great scene. I love it. I definitely wanted to make sure we talked about. Um, she really pushes Tusk to talk about the Chinese politics and talks about all the connections she's found. Um, and he's done, of course, some research on her. We learned that she was embedded in Tehran. At one point, And he tries to intimidate her by, like, giving her this, like, broken ancient vase that he – you know, he gives a story about how he – this vase was, like, utterly destroyed and shipping this thousands and thousands of years old, super expensive vase. But he had these guys working around the clock for a year to put it back together. So, but, he, I mean – Basically, he's just trying to intimidate her. Yeah. And he gets in her face with this whole retaliation talk about how, you know, if you say anything about me, I'm going to get back at you. And I wrote here, I have a feeling she won't be so easily broken. I don't take Tusk's threats that seriously. I mean, we haven't really to. seen Tusk. I mean, I don't know that we've seen him really break anybody. Yet. Recently, he's just been very petty. You know, stupid, superficial sex scandal crap that has is isn't real power player moves. So. Yeah. I don't know. I, I thought I was more intimidated by Tusk last episode when he and Lanigan were having steak in the on the you know outside. That was cool, and they Frank had won. They had won a little battle, basically. Yeah, but I, I don't know. The, basically, the crux of this episode was about you know Freddie and Freddie and Frank's relationship and kind of how Frank wasn't able to stand up for his friend when it mattered. Yep. Uh, what are your final takeaways before we move into the episode, uh, chapter twenty three?
0: Um... I think this uh episode was about screwing peripherals around Frank, meaning Adam and Claire and Freddie mm-hmm. um and and Frank only being able to really try to salvage one of those, and obviously who's gonna come first, but Claire. it makes me concerned about how who Claire really is because she seemed like she did have a little bit more of uh, feelings. Um, or uh, morals when it came to certain uh, scenarios, like like the uh, the girl who um, didn't want to end up going to be the poster child for the bill that they were trying to push through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it kind of scares me to see what Claire might be capable of, capable of just seeing how she totally flip-flopped and threw Adam under the bus, even though he was supposedly like her number two confidant you know she doesn't have any yeah. friends either so well, that she,
1: now she has trisha but that's just a oh that's a that's not
0: it, a yeah that's her just playing manipulation mean. Yeah. yeah uh but so i i, I like this episode a lot though mostly because of the freddy storyline it was so he was such a good actor and it was heartbreaking but it was also it played out exactly how it should play out <clears throat> based on these characters personalities so
1: i give this i give this episode a Four point two five. I don't normally give half grade or like fractions like you do. but I'm going to do the same thing on this one. I'm going to do the same thing on this one because I did really really like this episode and I liked that the Freddy storyline is kind of what carried it through. And I think you make an excellent point that like it was hard to watch and we wanted Frank to stand up for Freddie, but knowing how these characters function, it wasn't. It, it was. It was not something that was possible. You know, Frank. It could just couldn't do handle it that way. But it was also, like, the way they handled the Adam thing was also um, surprising to me. Like, the way that they, you know, ended up, like you said, screwing Adam over. Well, I, I don't know. I thought there was a lot of good moments, excuse me, throughout this episode. So I think a 4.25 from me, too. So that makes a solid 8.5. All right. That's chapter a pretty good 22. score for us. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. And it was good a good episode. episode. So, without further ado, we are going to dive right into Chapter 23. So, as I said before, if you have not watched Chapter 23, shut off. Uh, it might be time to turn off this podcast and come back after you've watched it. Ready? Go. Three, two, one. Chapter 23. <laughs> now, last episode with the focus on Freddy throughout, this episode, I would say Stamper's more of our, I mean, a lot of stuff goes on around Stamper, but he is, plays more of a core character in this particular uh, episode, um, for big reasons, particularly, I mean, let's talk about opening up and seeing our friend, uh, hacker Gavin back who I did not think we would be seeing again. So I wrote with an exclamation point, hacker Gavin is back. Who is he tracking? <laughs> Cause we see him like tracking somebody on GPS. And I said, who is he tracking? Is he stamper? Is it Frank? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's pretty clear immediately. Cause I think we transitioned straight to stamper. Um, yeah, back at Rachel's place in Baltimore. Um, with Rachel reading him Bible verses. And I wrote, you know, in my notes I said, what's going on with him? Is this the episode Stamper Breaks? Um, you know, Rachel tells Stamper that Lisa's living with her and he's really pissed about that. Stamper seems to be falling apart. And then, of course, he gets the text from Frank that there's shit going on with China and he needs to get back ASAP. Well, he doesn't get back in fast enough because he's way up the hell in Baltimore. And so Frank has Seth do... The work that Stamper was supposed to do. uh uh-uh. uh, Here comes the competition. And he's starting to take the job. And, and Stamper says, well, he doesn't have clearance for it. And he, Frank says, well, he does now. So, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I was asking myself, is this where we really see Stamper's
0: weaknesses? A little bit. And we see a big-time rift starting to form between
1: Stamper and Frank. We do. Absolutely. And so... <clears throat> Pretty intense, but I think I, I like how they went about showing this. I thought yeah. the directing of this episode was excellent. So well, I anyway. forgot to
0: mention the last episode that the chapter twenty two that we just talked about. Yeah. Did you see who the director was for it? No. Jodie Foster. No shit. Really? Yeah. Isn't
1: that crazy? She did a good job. Yeah. You know, she I like did. how she handled the front. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, interesting. We can back to twenty three. I didn't hear she was associated with that. Inter- very interesting. Well, I'm curious if she has or did any other, other episodes. I don't think um, so. Maybe her and no. Kevin
0: Spacey have this like friendship because they're both in the cl- well. I mean, I don't, I can't go on record saying that, but it's always been jo- Jody Foster's come out pretty much, but um, Kevin Spacey's always been rumored.
1: Is he not married or anything? No. Mm. Well, it's interesting that his character is kind of the same way in yeah. House of Cards too a little bit. Which, actually, I'll, I want to talk about that when we get into things more here. Okay, so there's obviously shit going on with um, uh, basically conflict between China and Japan. Um, you know, Walker's having to deal with this and everything. In the it's meantime, however... I don't like that. <laughs> well, but I'm glad that it wasn't a main point that Frank was having to deal with because yeah. he ends up getting pulled away very quickly because... Meet him in the security back at the residence. Spot a guy with a backpack bomb trying to blow up Frank's house. Uh, we find out quickly. You know they catch him. Claire's taken to the safe room. Whatever. We find out pretty quickly. You know. You know Frank has to very quickly leave the China briefing. Um, we find out it was a former marine that was targeting Claire because of the you know oversight bill she's trying to pass on sexual assault, basically. Um. So. A couple of interesting things here. Claire, is indign- Claire has clearly become more in the public eye since becoming vice president, especially since revealing her secret um, on in that interview on TV. I think that's...
0: Yeah, that's pretty obvious. Think, yeah.
1: And then, of course, the second part being we Meacham plays such a big role here in protecting Claire. He wants to be placed on her personal detail until she's safe. Do you think Meacham wants to hook up with Claire? Well, that's what I was going to ask is if it's his, does, is, does
0: he, I was surprised about this too, because my thoughts are you have the option of, you know, protecting the vice president or his wife, um, in a strictly, uh, seniority world and, you know, you would want the person with the more prestige would probably be on the vice president. So why would you want a demotion because of one incident? True. But at
1: the same time, because he he likes to know, well, but I was going to say it's not, that's one theory, but the other theory is he knows that, that, frank will approve of that and like that that's what he's doing oh that could be it too yeah you know i i guess i don't know this for sure but i don't get the sense necessarily that he wants to sleep with claire because it seems like he really he like seeks frank's approval in everything he does think about the watch he gave him think about them playing baseball in the backyard i feel like he sees them as like motherly fatherly figures that he wants to please they have like a honestly meacham becomes like a substitute son for him a little bit in my perspective so yeah, he's here. it is kind of like that. You're right. So that was partly, you know, he knows the right thing to say that Frank would appreciate it if he takes Claire's personal detail. Um, in the meantime, you know, they're dealing with, while well, Meacham is dealing with Claire's safety, Frank's looking for dirt to nail Tusk after, you know, all this havoc he created last episode. Now, Grayson recommends that they help the journalist, Isla, connect the dots to the casino Mm -hmm. Um, and I wasn't entirely sure what they meant by this if they were just saying like you know connecting the dots between Feng going to Lanigan's casino and Tusk working with Feng and that whole I assume like that whole circle of money is what they're referring to specifically so they send Isla a casino or like a isn't it a like limo service card with the Chinese symbols next to it, pursue pursue the money or something like that. So basically, yes. they're dropping the hint um, anonymously to Isla to direct her toward this bigger issue. And see, this is where it comes to like looking at kind of the petty stuff that Tusk did last episode versus like this stuff Frank is doing that could seriously annihilate a lot of people um, politically right. and like even legally. Frank plays a more dangerous territory, and I think that even when they're discussing the possibility of this, Frank is saying, "You know, I could bring myself down with this as well, but you know, we'll see. You know, we're all going down, so we'll see who survives." Because Frank can—I mean—can be linked to all this too. He can. I mean, he, that's what he's risking. Yeah. Frank was meeting with the casino owners in Missouri just last episode or two episodes ago. So there's a lot of potential for some serious investigations going on. Also, the president is still. They discuss. Walker discusses his marriage a little bit more. Things still not going better despite the um, counseling, it seems. He has removed Christina, which has right. helped. I'm still not sure what the end game with that is. Um, Nor do but I. But I'm sure there's going to be one. Um, But he feels more relaxed at the office than he does at home. So we see this interesting scene. This is more symbolism than anything i think where frank has the president fall asleep on the you know oval office couch in front of him while frank is like looking down at him laying in front of him that was weird it was weird And what i was going to ask what you thought about this scene what the, what they were trying to depict here
0: yeah all i thought of was him trying to um kind of dissect and figure out his next move on the president you know or plan or calculate or or, uh, strategize it just it it was it was kind of a creepy lurpy scene
1: almost verging on that weird sexual type thing but I don't know that's true too I didn't even think of that because that is there's something awkward about watching someone sleep and I mean thinking back to even last episode where Adam took the picture of Claire Um, there is something innately sexual about that so maybe there's I don't know more to that than I realize yeah but But what I was going to say is, visually, the way that they have Frank sitting on the couch looking at the president as he's lying down, kind of arms crossed on the couch, it almost looks like Frank is at a wake for the dead president. Oh, nice. I like that. Yeah. You know, looking over his dead body, which is another way to interpret it, too. And that could be just me trying to take things too far. But that's the other interpretation that I thought maybe they were hinting at, you know, visually, as far as the direction goes. In the meantime, Isla is, you know... Doing her investigative journalism, hitting them, <clears throat> checking into the limo service uh, that takes the Chinese businessman to the casino. <clears throat> Excuse me. She's on the phone with Lanigan um, as he and Trust try to weather the assault. We we see kind of now she's roped in her editors and stuff like that because they realize the weight of this story that she's something potentially proposing. Do. Yeah. So you know, foreign money's being used to influence politics is basically the key story they have here. And they're not going to outright say it. They kind of want to hint at it. Um, But basically Tusk and um, Lanigan are threatening lawyers. Well, first of all, they're not even admitting to a connection. But, like, almost immediately after they get off the phone with Lannigan, the editor gets a call from Tusk. And I want to say, good on that editor for not, like, because it seemed seemed for a minute there that maybe he was going to be like, well, there's a lot of investors, so maybe we should just not break this story just because it could hurt, like, you know, this guy has a lot of influence and stuff like that. But when they, you know, it hints at the direct connection between Lanigan and Tusk, he's like, no, we got to run this story because clearly that indicates there's a connection. Because exactly. so I thought that maybe it was going to be one of those things where it's like power, power kills weeds, it. You know, yeah. Where Which we would have p- so. been pissed
0: because we've already seen that story happen a few times. I know. So I was. That's good. This is a good good, uh, organization.
1: We talked about this a lot more last season with Zoe than we have this season so far, but now that it's kind of come up more, I want to say, like, how do you feel about the journalism being depicted here versus the stuff being depicted last season with Slugline and Zoe and Janine and stuff?
0: Yeah, I appreciate this one a lot more. This one seems much more accurate uh, of how it would go down in a bigger newsroom. In a smaller newsroom, it's tougher. It might get killed because they're too scared or don't have enough uh support but when you're a bigger name like like isla works for then i think there the chances are that they're going to continue with a story like this and not back down but they're also going to like they did in this episode have lots and lots of editorial meetings where they go over every fact in this to make sure that they're protected and they're reporting the accurate the most accurate story they can what do you think exactly
1: I absolutely agree, and I feel like you know, to some degree, we're seeing like (laughs) examples of poor, poorly done journalism versus you know examples of like really thorough, well done journalism, and we kind of get both sides of the media. So I I appreciate this um, portrayal we're getting this season because I think it's, uh, I hope it's more accurate. Um, I don't know that it is in all cases, but it's, it's certainly something more noble to aspire to. As far as unearthing, you know, political intrigue, and I, 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 really liked even last episode how she was like, "This sex scandal stuff is bullshit." I want to go to the real. Yes, I love story. that
0: because I would agree. I'm like, I don't want to do this story.
1: Oh man, CNN would have covered that sex coverage like all day, every day for yeah. three weeks or something, like that. <laughs> <laughs> months. Um. So I, I've really been appreciating what's going on there, and it sounds like they are going to break the story, and the ripple effects of that are going to be felt throughout all you know, all of these different power players. In the meantime, back at the home, you know, discussing more this relationship between Meacham and everything, you know, Frank uses, Frank tells Meacham to call him Frank, I think, at one point or something like that. Like, we see him developing even a closer relationship. Maybe Meacham's going to step up and take that hole of, like, the friend that Frank is now missing, Mm -hmm. Um, the companion, the pseudo-son. But we do have a super awkward scene where Frank puts on a headset to watch porn and Meacham walks in on it. (laughs) Ha ha ha! Oh, was so weird. First thing I want to say is that I thought, and I thought Frank was going to be watching gay porn, and that's oh. what's going to be the bigger controversy because we were hinted at a little bit last season that Frank might be bisexual. Bisexual. I, I think he actually
0: is bisexual.
1: <laughs> I, I, I mean, we I, saw I,
0: him act on it with, or um, I and mean, talk about the old days when he used to hook up with that one dude.
1: Yeah, yeah, back in college or whatever. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, and they kinda seem he kinda seemed to long for that. So I mean But that might I have been a that one time what, thing. It, it might have but I I thought that maybe Meechan was going to see that and then Meacham might have like real dirt on them. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And so could be uh, so the
0: one who takes him down.
1: Maybe, well, I don't know that he would do that because he seems to like them too much. But I thought that would have been an interesting dynamic. But no, it looks like it's just normal, plain old porn. And Frank doesn't seem too upset about it. He fact, didn't care. He, pauses he just it. Keep, yeah, he he pauses like, it and leaves yeah. it right up on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> it was so I loved it. It was so funny. <laughs> Frank's like, "What is it, Meechum?" And this is when Meacham asked to be on Claire's detox. That's a good Frank. What is it, Meacham? <laughs> and then he says like, "Sorry for interrupting, sir." And Frank's just like. Oh no, big deal. <laughs> and then he tells Claire about it, laughing later. He's, oh yeah, he's like, he's like yeah, that was. Maitre sure walked laugh. in on me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The other and,
0: thing is, like, he's not even like, you know, taking care of himself either. Is he's, he's just kind of sitting there watching porn, like not aroused or. Trying oh, to...
1: exactly. Yeah, that's the other thing. He's not like actually jerking or. anything. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like watching for fun. <laughs> like. Yep. What was the... Yeah. What's he getting out of that? That was weird. I don't know. But it, it inspires between him and, and Claire. It instigates conversation about sex, which is something that we don't, you know, I think we've said we've never really seen, we haven't seen them have sex yet. Yeah. And I th- it also, I think, is partly from them watching, you know, they're watching one of the original tapes from when they ran for Senate and Claire still has a Texas accent and maybe thinking about more when they were young and mm-hmm. and before things changed, really. And Frank asks... Claire outright, do you miss being with Adam? Which I thought was, like, we see a very intimate moment because that's not something they've ever, you know... They didn't really discuss the affair after the affair happened. Right. You know? And she basically says no. I mean, and then Frank, you know... Then she asks Frank, are you unsatisfied? And I almost took this to mean, like... I don't know I don't know if this meant like sleeping around with other people or from it meant being with men i, I maybe I, for some reason I was in that mindset hmm. and he you know they both lament not having the freedom they once did to pursue other sexual Partners. endeavors yeah but they admit that it gives them fewer distractions what i what were you, what did you draw from this conversation because there was so much kind of innuendo you, I, and like vague comments going on that it was hard to really extract what was really going on I mean yeah i I all, don't know
0: I really don't know kind of exactly what you hinted at there was probably the the the, as far as my thoughts went, um, I didn't think I didn't take it as far as like, do you miss being with men? I thought it was just more of a general, do you like is am I giving you enough? Because he was watching porn.
1: <laughs> oh, I, yeah, that's true. But I th- yeah, I thought it was a very interesting intimate conversation that they have and very honest. I'm very honest, and I'm not really sure where we're going with that. Yeah, like if we're gonna, I mean, maybe it'll be some like. Watershed moment when they finally start having sex again at the end of the season or something like God, that. God, Tyler,
0: right? all you want is a sex scene. Jesus, I, I'm <laughs> sorry.
1: <laughs> let's. I want to see. Yeah. Let's let's see. Frank and Claire need to get it out at this point. I mean, come on. This is basically. It's not even cable. It's beyond cable. It's Netflix. I mean, we got to see some. Got to see some skin here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true. That's true. Come on, step it up. Um, I will say. <laughs> That I think you'll be satisfied in some form by the end of the season.
1: Interesting, interesting. I leave well, it vague. Uh, and now I gotta. Keep, I'm excited to keep watching and see what what develops. <laughs> so the story breaks. Getting back to the main plot, the primary plot here, uh, it, Isla's story breaks. Um, you know, Grayson. Uh, and Stamper and Frank and everybody are kind of getting ready to heed the onslaught. Um, it's timed at the president's press conference, so that way he is trying to talk about, I don't know, uh, the stuff going on in China and Japan in the air you know, waterway, and he's getting hit with questions about the Feng and Tusk relationship in the press conference. Um, it's open season, basically. Everyone's fair game, as Frank said. Anyone has the potential to go down. We see pundits eating up Walker and Frank and everybody Rachel Maddow, Sean Hannity, mm-hmm. Chris Matthews and I think it's on Chris Matthews that we see the you know Isla being interviewed and she links Frank uh primarily to this whole situation too. So Frank is very prominently implicated. So like right. we said he was putting himself in danger too. So this was really a Hail Mary where anybody could go down. He could be he could be self-destructing too, but it's kind of like it's kind of like a suicide bomber here. If I have to go down, everyone's going to go down and we'll see who Survives, right? Um, you know Frank and a lawyer and Walker are you know discussing the game plan and how friendship or the, Walker's friendship with Tusk might imply guilt by association with the public. And Frank tells Walker that you know he reveals that what he was keeping him is that you know once the bridge was approved, the GOP money would stop. And so Walker you know finds out that all this was kind of what Frank was shielding him from, so to speak. And then we see Frank kind of trying to manipulate Walker into having a, the attorney general promote a special prosecutor for the case to kind of face it head on. Um, and tries to talk Walker into that. With, at the same time, like, he was very wishy-washy about it. And it kind of seemed like he would do whatever it takes to steer Walker that direction. Um, anyway, so Frank is trying to manipulate Walker, it sounds like, into getting a special prosecutor. I'm not sure exactly what his motive is in this other than he somehow thinks that having a special prosecutor as opposed to kind of letting things be drawn out will help. Obviously, Frank thinks will help himself somehow in the long run. Um, you know, everyone's kind of de- trying to figure out where things are going to go from here. Claire is talking about how these death threats will prevent her, her from creating the public profile that she wants to for her bill now that they don't have that Marine to be the face of the bill anymore. right? Um, so that could end up sinking the bill. I mean, there's basically, there's all sorts of uh, onslaught of, you know, everyone's getting angry emails and stuff, That now that the story's blown up, there's a lot of people in compromising positions. Uh, Frank, back to the Frank and and Meacham storyline, which kind of sprung up here and there. You know, we see Frank and Meacham in the backyard, Frank misses Meacham on his detail, Gives him a special treatment by, like, giving him a sip of the beer, has him sit down. Yeah. Um, they treat him like, so I said, they treat him like a kid. Yep. Like their son. Um, they ask Meacham why he's willing to take a bullet for someone else. Like, he's really trying to understand the idea of someone being a Secret Service agent. Claire comes out with a beer, too, and then she sits on Frank's lap and, like, they all toast Meacham for his loyalty and I was just questioning like what's their end game here? Do they have a child complex? Do you know what the end game is or is it not I I know
0: I know what the end game is but I can't tell you. But yeah, you're picking up on a lot of the right signals. So ah, obviously they're really throwing this in our face. Uh, there's 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 like this um, walls that come down with Meacham that only happen in, you
1: know, close like family type relationships. They're bringing him into their inner circle for some reason, yep. and I'm not entirely sure why. He does seem very loyal, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure what the whole point of it is. But they seem to be doing that, and of course, you know this whole um, the whole kind of Frank storyline ends this episode with Walker um, wants to seem proactive and hire the special prosecutor. He basically falls for Frank's you know push. He goes the right direction Frank wants him to, which makes me wonder if. Frank thinks that it will hurt Walker, but not hurt him somehow to have the special prosecutor involved. Frank must think that there's a way for him to handle a special prosecutor. Um, <clears throat> so I'm wondering if this is a way to maybe even get Walker impeached or something, and ha- but have Frank stay on. It's not entirely clear, so I'm curious hmm. where this is going. And then the last part I want to talk about is the Remy-Jackie relationship, <clears throat> which is a big part of this episode. You know, we once again, Remy and Jackie are in bed. They're kind of developing a relationship. Um, this is where we've seen them for most of the season, really. I feel like more than you know, we see them for bits and pieces outside, but they spend a lot of time having sex. Um, and of course, Remy asks Jackie about her tattoo, and we she says something about how she likes the pain, and it helps her deal with you know how many people she would killed when she was working in the military. And stuff. That's like
0: the that. most boring plot point in her character, I think, ever. <laughs>
1: It it makes her... It's kind of one-dimensional, isn't it? That's what it is? And it... I don't know. You want her to be more badass than that, because that sounds like such a cliche thing, right? I wanted to feel the pain, because I caused so much pain. Exactly. Um, (laughs) And then we see Claire, you know... Claire meets with Jackie in Jackie's office, and Jackie basically reveals that she's not going to sponsor the bill in its current form. Yep. um, The military bill. And that she... Uh, not only will she not sponsor it she would actively fight it if this particular bill you know when it's presented on the floor Claire is super pissed about this yeah and I don't think that Jackie realizes the enemy that she's creating here um I I wrote Jackie's making enemies she doesn't want to have she doesn't (laughs) quite understand what she's doing to her yeah um Meanwhile, you know, they dispatch Grayson to get some leverage on Jackie. So he's, you know, talking up the secretary that used to be Frank's secretary, Nancy, I believe her name is. Mm-hmm. And she basically reveals that Remy keeps showing up late at night. So we find out, you know, pretty easily Jackie and Remy's relationship is leaked. Yep. To Frank. So Frank's waiting in Jackie's office after she returns from California in her chair. So clearly a power move. Yeah, it, like, it Turned is. away. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and... uh Threatens her straight up at first, and but she, she I mean, she stands pretty strong. we got to give that to her. Um, then he tells her finally he releases the big bomb, which is that he's responsible for the stopped attack ads in California. And then she should ask Remy about where that money for the ads was coming from. And then, and I think he says that should make for interesting pillow talk, revealing that he knows about their relationship <laughs> too. I love that. So she's totally thrown off guard on multiple levels here. So Frank totally comes at her in an unexpected way. Jackie confronts Remy about Tusk and the pack money you know they gotta get in a fight Remy calls her frank's bitch um and she asks Remy if she, he was yes, just in it Tusk's to get bitch. info on frank he he's everyone's bitch really yeah. I mean For the I like dollar. Remy but I do too that's but, kind yeah. of that's kind of what his job is yep and I wrote here who's right Remy or jack i mean they they get in this fight and, you know he calls her Frank's bitch he's Tusk's bitch. I mean, it kind of seems like they're both at fault. He had said he wants to keep money out of it. He just wants to have a relationship separate. Who do you side with in this fight?
0: Hmm. That's hard to tell because it, I, I don't know. I don't know yet. You know, I I do feel bad for Jackie because she is believing in what she believes in and trying to do what she thinks is right. And Frank does point out a very uh, um, egregious act that's going on that remy is aware of that jackie doesn't know about so you know it's not like jackie ran to remy and said "Ooh, i heard your boss is hooking up with you know a a prostitute or something like that it's it's something very serious for the for the country whereas remy i also feel like listen he's just a businessman trying to do his job for the dollar for the top dollar so it's it's not on him so i mean they're both kind of right they're just both getting played by their bosses
1: Exactly. They're both pawns. They're pawns yeah. in a bigger game where, you know, as I think they even at the beginning of this whole season say, you know, Tusk and Frank are the chess masters and they're just pawns in their game basically. Yeah. Uh, so to kind of wrap up, you know, Tusk and Remy are having a phone conversation and, you know, Tusk says, I have the advantage of public opinion can eat at me, but my shareholders, you know, as long as our business is doing well, we're fine. Whereas Frank is more, you know, a subject to public opinion because he's a politician. So he tells Remy that he wants her to, him to go after the Democratic leadership, meaning Womack and Birch and these guys, and Jackie, and to manipulate them to go against Frank. So basically this is where that line that Remy is the one who drew right. between business and personal is going to get blurred, and he's not sure what moral stance it takes. So I think mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how Remy handles this, whether his relationship to Jackie matters more than his job and his you know position with Tusk. Exactly. Finally, let's wrap up with Stamper. As I said, a lot of very... Interesting stuff going on with him here. Um, <clears throat> we see Stamper in this episode confront Frank about Grayson. He doesn't like when Frank undermines him in front of Grayson because he feels that Fra- Grayson's his subordinate. Um, I think he says something like, I'm your failsafe, sir, but I can't be that if you won't let me. But Frank hits him right back and says, are you my failsafe, Doug? Are you? And you know, you're focusing on office politics while we have this hurricane, like this bigger issue we're dealing with. And we kind of see... I think that's true. Doug is not on the ball here, you know? And we see that again as he waits outside of Rachel's house and ends up, te- you know, Rachel comes out to the car and tells, he tells Rachel that Lisa can stay. And then she has her read to him from A Tale of Two Cities on her phone. I haven't actually read A Tale of Two Cities, so I don't know if there's symbolism within the act from the actual book itself, but I think we're seeing Stamper crumble <clears throat> is what I wrote here. And of course we find out that Hacker Gavin has been tracking Stamper all along. And that Stamper's obsession with Rachel is what could burn down everything they built. It's the weak link right now. Um, so Stamper is, could potentially be responsible for the whole fall of Frank. And I think that makes Stamper a compromising person. Um, it kind of puts him in the same position that I would say Rus- Russo was in last season. Yeah, He's he's almost he's falling apart in the same way. So it makes you wonder if maybe Frank is going to dispatch of him in the same kind of way and maybe grayson will be the new stamper i don't know it's it's exciting any last stuff you want to say to wrap up on this episode a lot of exciting things going on
0: uh i would say that this episode was a little weaker than the previous one so i would give chapter 23 a three and a half
1: Mm, pretty low i would say that i there's some good i like what was going on with stamper crumbling um i like the interest the jackie Remy dynamic was interesting uh, don't know what's going on with the whole Meacham thing. That was kind of weird. <laughs> interested to see what's happening with that. Interesting to see. Interested to see how Remy handled. Like what, which way he goes with things, and interesting to see how Hacker Gavin's going to use yeah um, Stamper to hurt Frank or something like that. And Cashew. Um, and it was nice to see Cashew again. <laughs> <clears throat> so I think I'm I'm going to be a little nicer. I didn't hate this episode. I'm going to give it a four. So I think that makes it a seven and a half. So you're right. A little bit less than last episode but still a solid one yeah mm-hmm. still solid a lot of lead-ins to bigger questions that I'm excited to have answered in an upcoming episode so nice. um, alright well, I gotta that, go without further ado Frank, um, Chris has gotta get running so we once again appreciate you all for joining us got a hot date and um, we will be back with the uh, next two episodes pretty soon um, I can say, right. uh, oh I, I am on Twitter oh on sorry
0: <laughs> Twitter and Instagram at Chris Husted Tyler where are you at? Both as well at TJ Moss okay, 11. All right, first. bye. Have a great night. We'll talk to you soon.